Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We are going to discuss the love episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so that you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and I'm here with Pastor Joel. Hey, how you doing? Great. How did that go? That was good. This is, I think, one of my favorite topics to talk about. Yeah, this is really important. Um, kind of a interesting and somber note to end <laughs> to end the What the Flock podcast, talking about how you know the church and pastors, leaders have just failed. Right. And it is such a it's such a huge topic. Um, you know, you you talk you gave the the history and the background as this is one of the foundations, uh, you know, we're the world will know us by our love for each other. You know, there's, there's so many scriptures about if I, if I say that I love God and don't love my brother and sister, I don't really love God. Right. And then, um, so we presented the strict, the the limitation perspective and the loose perspective and it was both it sounded so the same yeah i think the 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 cause is really people just trying to avoid defining this word that is kind of hard to define yeah and but the result is two different things right we see right. one one people group the strict side this limitation side says well there's all these different definitions so that's why you can't hold me to one and then the loose side says it's really just a feeling or this you know the fuzzy warm feeling in your belly so you can't i mean and that's objective you can't put words to that yeah but it is really two people avoiding defining one of the most important and most widely used words period so you know, it's not a great idea to assume people's intentions are bad. It's a, it's a better idea to assume people's intentions are good, right? Right. Because when we start judging people's intentions, we get into kind of icky water. Yep. So I'm just seeing this over and over again in our podcast where people are so averse to defining their words why are are people just who can know who can know these things why should we even define like what why are people doing this pastor joel like that's one of the things that i'm thinking about in this podcast where it's like there's so much benefit to defining their words help me see help argue the case for the intentions of people being good while not defining their words, especially something like love. Yeah. Okay. This is good. And now (laughs) this podcast has turned into like, I just need to work. I'm just working something out here, man. This is like philosophy of man type stuff now. Yeah. I, yeah. Which is good. Cause I, and I think the, the thing is what we're trying to do with these podcasts is get down to the truth, which, should be context or truth is contextless, right? Yeah. Which 
if we have the truth and if we're doing these podcasts according to different thought process mentalities, different self-esteems, we ought to be able to get down to the answer of why is this issue that seems to come up in every podcast? Yeah. An issue. Well, we're talking about man, right? And what I would, my answer would be this with good intentions. Yeah. I'm trying to do the best I can. Okay. However, if I have a definition and if I state a definition, it's no longer about trying anymore. Now I'm responsible for that definition. Responsibility. There you I go. have to answer for, okay, you had that definition. Did you do it? Mm. Where if I, I can try my best and not define anything and still not have to, an- and, and it prevents me from having to answer for my behavior. Wow. So when we are helping people who've been hurt by this topic, and we give them these ultimate answer, these ultimate answer definitions where we resolve this. Now that person is forever responsible. Yeah. And, and that's the tension of this, right? Okay. However, and, and the, the, you named it though, when you just presented this cause to me, you said there's such a benefit to having these definitions. Yeah. So another way, when we first started learning about conjunctives and how every conjunctive has a limitate one limitation, it's freedom and one limitation. One of the ways we, we learned it and described it to people is one half of the conjunctive is a responsibility. The other half of the conjunctive is a benefit. So yes, a conjunctive has, is it's, Truth is made up of conjunctives. Truth is tense. Having these definitions based in truth does have tension with it. However, there's also this huge release that comes alongside it when you live it out the right way. There is this huge benefit to when I am responsible. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I think a lot of people are missing is if I avoid the tension, and, and that's why I'd say, why do so many people deal with this issue? Say because what is it? Ninety four percent of the planet, yeah, ninety four percent of humanity is walking around, really, kind of on this freedom side. Like, I don't want any limitations. I don't want any tension. I just want to walk around on autopilot, led by my unconscious brain, just being an animal. Mm-hmm. And any tension that comes towards these people is going to immediately feel wrong. Tensions equated to wrong to people on that, that freedom or loose side. So when, but the, but the thing these people are missing because they're trying to avoid this tension so much is really what everybody wants is a release. And the difference between the different thought process we're in is when that release happens, we all want to feel good. That's, that is humanity. We all, everything we do is so I feel good either now or later. That's period. That's something we all have in common. And the different thought processes really in the different self-esteems just really show us what our method is of making that release or making that, those good feelings come. And people on the loose side are just always trying to feel that without any cost. I don't want it to cost me anything. So I'm going to do everything I can right now to always feel good. 
And when you present me a definition that causes me to have to be responsible, there's tension in that. So I'd, you know what, I'd rather just say, no, I don't need to deal with that at all. And that, and again, good intentions. Yeah. The person's just trying to feel good. They may even be trying to make other people feel good, but without knowing it, especially as it relates to this definition of one of the most important words, period. Yeah. It's hurting people because people aren't able to give this benefit of love intentionally without God's definition. That's amazing. So, you know, one of the, one of the things that I'm thinking here is being able to present our, our definitions or what we believe is, is like love, like love is God's definition, uh, giving without expecting anything in return from the person to whom you gave. We believe that's God's definition. We can show that in the Bible. How do I... Like, you know, the Music of Life Church podcast is set up because we want to help people, help other people who've been hurt by church. So how do I present God's definitions in the right way to someone, you know, because I don't want to throw a definition because I've done this. Okay. I've thrown a definition at someone and now all of a sudden they're, I kind of like take them out from under mercy And then, you know, it's not for their benefit and it does more damage than good. They're pissed off at me. I feel like it just went really, really bad when I presented a definition. So my question to you is, is there a way that I can help people or share definitions with people in a way that will help them? Like, do you have any tips for that? I do. And I love the way you set this up because it reminds me of, one of the gospels talks about the Pharisees cloak of sin being removed. Mm. And it's that moment where they're aware that they're sinning now. Yeah. And now what you do now you're responsible for. Mm. So do we want to be people who is just removing this mercy period from everybody in our own strength of our own timing? No, I want to do it by God's timing. I want to do it in love. So how can I do this in a benefit? I would say you and I are very familiar with what one of one of the, if not the greatest method to help people in this area. And we're not even talking about just the definition of love, but just how can me helping people with God's definitions, what's my measure or a method I can use that I'll know it is giving them a value? We wait until they ask for help. Mm. And that's, you can look at the way our churches are even set up. The way your church is set up is let's provide this safe place, safest place in the world. Ideally getting to a place where when someone asks for help, we can direct them towards Music Life Church Kimberly's restoration process. Right. Then us at Music Life Church Kimberly are doing the same. We're trying to create this environment, this safe environment for people to learn God's doctrine. But even that, We're not forcing people to go through a restoration process. There is a method you have to go through. And what that does, not only does it help us make sure we're not initiating our own plan onto people's lives, because this doesn't mean I haven't looked at people and thought, man, that person really needs restoration. 
but me forcing my church or anybody to go through the program is not decently in an order. It's not, I don't know. I can't know for sure if it's for that person's benefit, if I'm the one initiating it. So what we do is we do make everyone aware of this process. It's not like we're just hoping people just all of a sudden know, oh, I need to ask for help. We'll let people know even, hey, if you want help, ask for it. We're waiting for you to jump over that hurdle and then we'll start giving it to you. So that's that's one way. The other way we cover in the Malt podcast, dealing with the strict side versus the loose side or dealing with the limitation side versus the freedom side, sharing on myself, man. Nice. If someone asks me questions about what I believe, I can share myself all I want. They've given me the doorway to do that. Nice. But ultimately, those that would be really if I'm asked a question or if someone asks me for help in that area, those would be green light situations for me to be able to start teaching this stuff. That's good. So those two things, I can share on myself or I can wait for someone to ask for help. Right. That's cool. Do you have uh, do you have somewhat to say about Pastor Richard Tater's call? Yeah, I loved it. I actually had um, an interaction very similar to that with with another pastor going on over ten years ago, and uh, wow. So I, I felt equipped to handle it the right way, and and in a way that I actually feel like I'm more equipped now to handle it than I did back over ten years ago with the other pastor. So. I, th- I was glad he shared it did help. And, and I was glad to be able to respond to it in a way where I feel like um, was a benefit to our listeners and also was done carefully and cherishingly enough to pastor Tater that it would have been a benefit to him as well. So cool. So I essentially agreed with them like, yeah, pastor, I hope you do love your wife more than your dog, but I don't know what that means unless you, share with me like if you if you mean two different things can you explain what those even just those two different things mean so what do you mean when you say i love my dog what do you mean when you say i love my wife it's it, and that's really interesting because a lot of people like they will say you you know what i mean like you know oh, what yeah. i mean by that but they don't want me to assume a wrong meaning <laughs> yeah. or i feel like so so much of the time i'm losing when I ask someone their definition, so much of the time, you know, I mean, and this is an area that I have damage in of asking someone what they believe and it just going really poorly. You know what I mean? Well, no, I don't. And then they're offended, you know, or you know what I mean? And I go, oh, do you mean this? And they go, oh, absolutely not that. Or isn't it obvious? I thought my beliefs, it's pretty black and white. It's like, it might be to you. Right. I'm just treating you the way I'd want to be treated. I don't want people to just project their meaning onto my beliefs. I definitely don't want that. No. I want people to to understand what I mean by the words that I use. Right. And sometimes I don't instantly know what it is that I mean. I sometimes need to flush that out where someone will ask you, well, what do you mean by that? You know, and I go, oh, crap. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. Now yeah. I have an, now, now here's the fork in the road. Do I get defensive and upset at that other person because I feel stupid that I don't know a meaning behind a word I used? Or do I see that as an, thank you. I just used the word. I'm not sure what it means. Now I can dig into that and try to figure it out. 
Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Again, we're back to our response to that. Right. We want to help people respond. We're not saying it's wrong to not know every single word that you define, but you do have a meaning for it. It's there. We just maybe need to do a little digging to find it. And then we're now we're getting into uniqueness of people too, because some people need to think through what they're, what they mean by the words they're using. Just, they need some time to just think it out. Maybe quietly some people might need to talk through it and they might say a lot of wrong things first before they get to the right thing man yeah so it is just but but can i see those moments where either the person i'm interacting with re realizes they don't know the definition of word they're using or if i'm in a situation like that see it as a benefit because what this means is one I can admit I was wrong to use a word I didn't know the meaning, which we know finding out where I'm wrong is the only way to grow. So two, I can possibly implant a right definition into that word and become more right because of it. So, but it is, it's all how we see it and it's all how we respond. And I like that. And I, I like that idea of even, you know, with people that have a lot of damage in these areas, to take those backward steps and kind of preface that you're going to be asking them what they mean by something by saying, Hey, you know what? I always appreciate it when people ask me what I mean by words. And sometimes I don't know what they are, but when I feel like people are asking me what I mean by something, I feel like they're trying to get to know me Oh yeah, and, and care about me enough to find out what I mean by the things that I say. That's good. Now, let me ask you your... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you your definition now. Mm-hmm. Where you know, so I, I just, I, I really appreciate that, and thanks, Pastor Joel, for again going back to our response. It's always about our response. Yeah, it sure is. Here, I have another question for you. What is the benefit? of first Corinthians 13 and all of those effects. Love is patient. Love is kind. Like what is the benefit of that passage? So you're not saying that I should use that as the, the definition. Those are effects. What's the benefit of me of being able to see those effects? Well, they do, they do give me some insight into as to what the behaviors that I'm exhibiting when I have, when I have the cause of love within me, what the behaviors that come out of me will look like. Okay. So that's one of the benefits. It's, it's not because there's so many listed and because nine of them are what not, what love is not, it's not an objective measure of love, but it is a list of measures that I can use to help me. Okay. So it's like a way that I can, um, you know, prove that I am being loving towards someone or loving actions. I should be, I should be patient with someone if I'm loving them. Yeah. And I think if you didn't have expectations, patience would be one of the effects you could have. And that's what we can push love through these. And there will be a level of patience mm. with in the, in the sense of when I have no expectations on a person, 
I will be more patient with them than if I wasn't loving. Right? I'll also be more kind. Right? That's good. And then the, the boasting one, that's actually one we could, um, we'll, we'll get to a little bit more here at, towards the end of the episode, but another way, you know, love doesn't boast. That's a really popular one too. Where if I'm bragging about the value I gave to somebody, isn't that, really being a focus on me and not being focused on giving a value to someone else. Nice. So that's kind of how you can use, you can push all of the, you can push my behavior and my love through those effects just as kind of a check. Where am I actually at? Am I actually loving? Great. Presenting the freedom and loose side what happens is, is that in, and in response to the topic, what we see is we see different categories emerge in the church, Pastor Joel. And, you know, you've, you've done a great job of breaking it down for us every podcast based upon people's self-esteem, you know, so in the, in the, what the flock podcast, you lay them out in terms of of, you know, different thought processes, different responses. So can you help us um, get even more clarity in music of life, church fashion, the topics and how people respond to love? Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. So the people we feel sorry for, these are the people in the low self-esteem category. So these are people who just want their context to serve them, right? They want all this stuff externally to make them feel good or better about themselves. So these are people who have expectations. They look around and they expect people to give to them. Nice. They feel like they deserve love. Mm. And they haven't gone as far as to even think what that means. They just want to feel good. And, they, and it's everybody else's job around them to make them feel good. But you remember, these are people also that are oblivious. So that's why we feel sorry for them is because they're just, unaware that this is actually even happening they they may even not see this be like the maybe people who everyone they're around can see this behavior in them but but they can't see the behavior themselves nice the mid self-esteem are the people we understand because uh you know these are people who have enough self-esteem to know basically what they've been taught what's what's been taught about love is wrong, but they do. And, and they're really guarding themselves from being hurt any further. But unfortunately, in the, in the topic of the doctrine of love, the way they guard being hurt or being abused more is by having expectations still either because they've been hurt by not having one themselves or mo most of the time it's hurt by other people who don't have God's definition for love. Then there's the people we are impressed with, which is high self-esteem people. These are people who are focused on benefiting others. And really the way we can see this is we've talked about leadership in a couple episodes. Mm -hmm. Leaders love leaders facilitate the purpose and progress of others. It's an application of love, giving a value without expecting anything in return, facilitating the purpose and progress of others. So leaders are, the way they lead is by loving their followers. 
they are focused on giving a benefit to these people. So as soon as I, I'm leading someone, I'm facilitating their purpose and progress. The second I start trying to facilitate my own purpose and progress, I'm not, I'm no longer leading them and I'm no longer loving. That's why these two are synonymous. Right. I'd, I'd say the minute you start expecting something from them, what you're actually doing is saying you're my leader now. Aha. I'm no longer yours. Oh, nice. Yeah. So this, I mean, this, this high self-esteem, these are people who they know the definition of love and they know how to live it out regardless of who they're interacting with. And it, again, it goes back to definitions. What's interesting too, if um, the, the further and further away we get generationally from the original, um, the original documents of the scriptures, the original letters and writings, the worse and worse the translations become. I think partly because the more man gets his hands on these, the worse it becomes. The original King James version going back to 1611, and even the ones you get today, not, not in like the old English font and all that, but the King James version, when grammatically appropriate, Translate the, the word agape, the word we know to be love, into charity. Love that. Right there. And this is, if you've ever read Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis talks a lot about charity. And he's mm. talking about agape, love. Mm. And what, what do we know about charity? Why it's such a good translation when appropriate, grammatically appropriate in our language? Charity is an act of giving without expecting anything in return. So good. It fits really well. Um, but that's where these, you know, so these leaders, these people we look up to in a high self-esteem are constantly looking to be charitable, constantly looking how they can be focused on the benefit of others. So someone who's leading and, and loving, is there any benefit to them long-term for doing this? Well, yeah, what, I mean, we get reward. So there's the whole reward side of this. When we love God is just to reward us for, if I give to somebody, then justice says I'm equal. I'm I'm something is, is deserved back towards me, but there's, there is, you know, so much of love has been equated with this feeling. And, and I'd say one of the benefits of love is happiness and joy. People want those things in one step, right? People want those things right now and forever. I do. Yeah, I I sure do too. (laughs) If people had the right definition of love, they would be able to get these things intentionally. Mm. Because the key to experiencing joy, these positive emotions or these positive feelings we get from all these chemicals pumping out of our brain into our bodies, joy, regardless of our circumstances, happens when I love others. When I love someone, one of the effects I experience is joy. Happiness happens as an effect of my context, something from my context giving to me. Happy from from the outside. That happens as an effect of me being loved by someone else. 
So the key to long-term happiness, to long-term joy is for me to find a person and a group of people that I can love and that will intentionally love me back. Then I get all those happy, happy and joyful feelings that I've been longing for. So that's one of these, like, I think that's, that's again, going back to this, what, what do we all have in common? We all want to feel good. We do. That's awesome. You know, I've in that first Corinthians 13 passage, it says that love doesn't boast. So when I say to someone, I love you, isn't that me saying to them, like, I'm, I give to you without expecting anything in return. Like I, and then it sounds like, isn't that boastful? Yeah. So I know, I know that you've helped, um, married couples and I've helped married couples with this. How do you, how would you tell someone that you love them or can you tell someone that you love them and it not be boastful? Yeah. And that, so the, this ultimate answer, giving a value without expecting anything in return from the person to whom you gave is key to life. But also I love that you brought up marriage because it's the fuel for marriage, right? Yes, it is. And currency, right? And really when, when, uh, when a marriage starts going bad, usually the conversation can start, like if you're trying to help a married couple, what you can start with is trying to find out what their expectations are on, on each other. And usually one or both of them feel like they're owed something from the other person. Mm. So there's a little, maybe a little foreshadowing of what I'm going to get into. Cause yeah, the ways, ways we have helped married couples is by helping them understand not only the definition of love according to God, but also what the resulting meaning then of the phrase, I love you ought to mean. Cause if I say, I love you and I mean my emotions, or I mean, look at what I've done. I'm boasting and it's not an effect of love. So again, we can look at this boasting effect and see, no, there's boasting going on. So it's about me. So there are two reasons a person would love. First, Jesus said in Luke six, that love proves God is working through you and that you are a son of God and you will get reward through justice. Like we talked about earlier. You initiate love to gain later and to prove you're a believer. So that's one reason. Mm. Second, you love because you're a moral person and you know you owe. So like your example, we talked about if you gave me $20, Mm -hmm. a moral person, whether you expected it back or not, if you gave me $20, if I was moral, I would feel like I owe you $20 Mm. and I would look to give back to you and I wouldn't expect anything in return. Why? Because you gave me the $20 first. So this is how we all love God. We love because God first loved us, right? That's right. That's right. The reason I can give back to God without expecting anything in return is because I am constantly in a state of owing him. (laughs) Yeah. So with all that said, when we help married couples, we tell them, I love you in a non-contradictory fashion would mean 
I owe you. It is a statement that's humble and an admission that the person has received more from their spouse than what they thought they would have to give to get that value. It's an admission that you've given me more than I've given you. So we tell what we'll tell married couples to do is for the next month, I have an experiment for you, a game to play per se. Instead of saying, I love you to each other, every time you want to say the words, I love you, instead say, I owe you for a month. And then when you return to saying, I love you, if you do, it'll have a deeper doctrinal meaning than ever before. In fact, it'll help you repair this definition and this meaning of what this word love means in your brain. And don't we want to repair marriages? And don't we want married couples to really understand what it means to love one another? Do we want marriages to hinge on how many positive feelings we have with one another? That's the end-all be-all of whether or not we can have a profitable marriage is if I'm constantly feeling positive. That doesn't work. No. Wow. Well, let's end right there. That is a spectacular place to end this. Thank you, Pastor Joel. I owe you. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, or you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We will see you next time.